Welcome to the Keystone Kickoff Show, brought to you by the Keystone Sports Network. Get the best Penn State sports news and analysis at KeystoneSportsNetwork.com or download the Keystone Sports app from your smartphone. Hello and welcome to the Keystone Kickoff Show. I am Jim Galante along with Dustin Hawkinsmith. Day after Super Bowl edition of our show, we are going to get into Penn State football for our first three quarters. Quarter number four, we'll have Jeff Byers here. We'll talk Penn State championship wrestling. Just real quick, uh, as I mentioned, day after Super Bowl, Dusty, I, I just wanted to quickly get your take on that late worst call in the history of the Super Bowl and get your opinion. I mean, I don't know if you saw, but if you go right to the source, James Bradbury said it was a hold that that he he t- he tugged his jersey and was hoping to get away with it. Now, I mean, there are always degrees of, of that, right? And I didn't think that was of of the worst degree of jersey tug and hold that I've ever seen. And I think maybe if you filter it through, this is going to kind of decide a Super Bowl. You kind of think that you can you can keep the flag in your pocket on that one. You know, by the letter of the law and by James Bradbury's own admission, that was a penalty. It's just a really tough penalty to swallow when you know what the stakes were there and what was going to transpire after you move, you check off the yards. It, it put the Eagles in a pretty impossible position. And, you know, he committed the, pe- the penalty. I didn't really love the call anyway. Now, if you want your officials to call the, the rules as they see them from minute one to minute 60 without br- bringing into – uh, it, the game, uh, the game flow and the game situation, then I think he threw the right flag, but it's just really difficult to, to handle as an Eagles fan. And, you know, for the most rational fan base in the country, they, they don't seem to be handling it as well as I thought they would. <laughs> uh, yes. uh, well, just real quick, my take, if you could couldn't guess, if, if you're deciding the game with a call, it better be black and white, not a shade of gray. There were shades of gray to that, and that call decided the end of the game. So that's my take. And the fact that I had money on the Eagles, Dustin, is totally irrelevant Beside to my the opinion point. there. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. All right. Let, let's – you know what? Super Bowl's done. It's now officially totally and completely the football offseason. Everybody else in the world is doing their way too early 23-season preview. That's not us, Dusty. That is not us. We are going to shoot right past the 23 season, and we're going to look at 24. (laughs) Let, Let me explain what prompted this is, you know, if you're building a team, you build it through your recruiting classes. So talking about 24 is really talking about these recruiting classes in 22 and 23, that will make up the majority of that team in 24. And one other little thing uh, that added into this that prompts this is looking at the recruiting rankings. I think you've got to look at things a little bit differently. You got to go a little bit deeper. Ohio state gets highly ranked by the numbers. They have like, I don't know, X number of top 100 or five-star players but the majority of them are at wide receiver. You can't play all of them. And I think disbursement of talent is important 
And I think that's part of what you saw with Penn State's recruiting classes in 22 and 23. Yeah, I think uh, two very different classes in terms of how they were built. You know, I look at the 2022 class uh, with guys who were pretty versatile athletes. There were like six or seven guys in that class who were all, you know, six foot uh, 180 pound athletes uh, who, who were on board there. And then you also, with the foundation of this backfield, you know, I don't know if you looked at this class at the time and really thought or knew exactly what Nick Singleton, Katron Allen, and Drew Aller would all mean as to the program as quickly as they've meant it. And so I think that, that, that building block there too. And then, you know, in 2023, I think it was a really healthy shift to getting a core at the offensive line, you know, and, and building in the trenches there too. Uh, really nice disbursement of talent to your point um, across these two classes. And I think, I mean, if you look at Ohio state and the, and the types of big time athletes that they're getting, obviously it's huge, but now, now they're looking as a program at saying, okay, now we have to take the next step and we've got to not get owned in the trenches by our rivals and by, you know, whoever we play in the college football playoffs. And they, I think their program-wide approach uh, has to shift a little bit. Everybody's approach have to, has to shift from time to time. Uh, for Penn State, you know, I, I think these two classes and why we're doing this segment in the first place, looking at sustainability of, of what Penn State's doing uh, and into 2024, I mean, I think what they've got is a nice, balanced roster in 2023. And as you look at it about who we expect back in 2024, you expect a nice, balanced roster around some of these explosive young guys that we saw on the field so early in 2022. And barring transfer portal entries, the class of 22, the class of 23, they will be still here during that 24 season. So let's hit it, Dustin. Let's go position by position and see where this team stands. And I'm going to group, well, let's start with the backfield. Let's go at quarterback. That uh, 22 recruiting class, and it wasn't just Drew Aller, it was also Bo Perbula, who's getting a lot of good press. We're hearing a lot of good things from the coaches we may have found in that 22 class, not just the quarterback for the next two years and Drew Aller, but the two quarterbacks for the next four years. Yeah, And, and you're not sure how it's going to work out. You know, Bo Perbola was the first one to commit uh, in the 23 cycle um, or the 22 cycle. Drew Aller committed later. His stock rose exponentially. You found everybody talking about Drew. Nobody really talking about Bo so much. And the good news is when you have a guy whose future looks as bright as Drew Allers does, it happens to help the guy behind him because now you're looking at, okay, he might be three and out, you know, and if he's three and out and I've got five years of eligibility, if I do all the things the right way, take all the right steps and grow and get better and better and better, there's an opportunity to start for two years. And if I can start for two years at Penn State, you know, who knows where that can take me next. And I think Bo Perbola and I think Jackson Smolik, too, um, who will, who's a freshman in 2023, uh, both of these guys are made up of the right stuff. And their background suggests that they might be more willing to stick it out than if Penn State got another five-star immediately. So that process of recruiting quarterbacks, but also recruiting for the long haul is such a fine line. But I really like Bo Perbola and his 
willingness and his probability of sticking around, even though Drew Aller is going to be so entrenched, it looks like, as a starting quarterback. Um, you need a guy like Boper Bowl. If you want any continuity whatsoever on your quarterback depth chart, you need a guy just like Bo Perbola who's going to take three years to develop, but who's going to stick it out and, and hang around and not immediately jump to the portal just because Drew Aller won the starting job uh, in year one. And seeing Dusty, what Will Levis is doing this year and ending up a first-round draft pick because he has all those physical tools. He's big, strong, has the big arm. You're describing Drew Aller. I cannot foresee Drew Aller not being a first-round draft pick after three years. I, I just can't picture it. In the early going, Drew Aller is about 100% more instinctive at the quarterback position than Will Levis is. Will Levis has everything you want in a physical checklist. And, you know, it looked like he did coming out of high school. So why he wasn't more highly recruited, I don't really know at, at that point. But he's looking to develop the quarterback intuition that he did not have immediately. I think Drew Aller is a different player. He's a different athlete. He's not going to wow quite so much with sort of his ability to make guys miss in the open field and all that. But I think he knows the position as a young quarterback way better than Will Levis did at the same time. Probably better than Will Levis does right now, if I'm being honest. Yeah, I'm in agreement. Let's hit running back real quick. They got two studs there, Dusty. Barring injury, and I don't mean to jinx anybody, they're going to be very good. They are loaded at running back for the 23 and 24 season. Yeah, I mean, my only question about this position group is if you were to lose one of them for either a short-term thing or a long-term thing, do you have the goods to replace them in 2023? Do you have the goods to replace them in 2024? You know, London Montgomery is a very promising kid. He's going to need a year, I'm sure, to get healthy again after suffering that knee injury as a senior. Cameron Wallace, that speed back, I don't know how much you can ask for him early in his career, but I think they've got some depth there that where you're not too concerned, but um, 2023 is more of a dicey situation to me than what I think 2024 will be, because I do think that's a position that can be addressed in the transfer portal. And that's a position that maybe if not one, maybe two backs in the 24 class, you, you can look at. I, I think you're right. And 20, in 23, this is just the issue. It may not even be a major injury, but you turn an ankle and all of a sudden you've got one of those two only for a month. Okay. So that is the only concern there. I think we could move on from that position feeling pretty good about it. Uh, Dusty, let, let's hit the tight end position, which has been so good over the last couple of years. This past season, we saw Brenton Strange. I think in 23, you've got Theo Johnson. He, he's got all the tools there. I don't believe he, he he will be eligible, I believe, to stay for 24. I don't picture that happening. I think 24 is going to be about Tyler Warren and then who else. That's what I think is going to happen, too. Um, I think Theo Johnson really just needs one productive season to complement what he looks like in shorts and a T-shirt. Uh, and bring that production to life, show that he can be a red zone threat, continue to show in you know a bigger sample size that he can he can be more in the passing game just in general. Uh, so I do think he'll probably do enough in 2023 to want to take that leap uh, to the NFL. And then yeah, I, I I think Tyler Warren, 
you know, I think to stick it out and not be a complimentary option, I think he's going to do that. Uh, and I think he's got the ability to maybe be a really good number one tight end as well. Um, he's just been stuck because Brenton Strange is such a good, um, you know, versatile uh, tight end in terms of his blocking and, and catching. And Theo Johnson has such a high ceiling. Not that anybody forgets about Tyler Warren, but he just hasn't had the number of opportunities that I'm sure he would want. And those will come. I think those will come in 2023. And then there's a decent chance that he's your number one tight end in 2024. In general, especially with these three tight ends in the in the 2023 class arriving, I like where Penn State is in terms of upside and talent as well as depth at tight end. And I think the experience is going to kind of flow pretty naturally from year to year all the way into 2024. And that 23 recruiting class of tight ends shows you that complementary recruiting. And there's a couple really promising ones, Rappelier. And remember, Jerry Cross is in there. He was hurt last season, didn't really get a chance to burn that red shirt. That is it for quarter number one. We're going to keep up this season of 24 preview. Hey, guys, this is Andrew from 409 Tailgate Club, here to talk to you about our new coffee barbecue dry rub set. Over the years, we've developed some great tailgate sauces and barbecue dry rubs, but our new coffee rubs are totally unique spice blends, low in sodium, and feature Happy Valley's finest coffee, W.C. Clark's, roasted right in the cheese shop in downtown State College. So head on over to 409tailgateclub.com, grab yourself some coffee rubs, and remember, always tailgate with honor. We are. Hi, this is Dustin Hockensmith from the Keystone Sports Network. For the best Penn State football analysis and commentary, go to keystonesportsnetwork.com. The rest of the KSN team and I will bring you game reviews, player evaluation, recruiting news, and plenty more. You may even hear directly from some of your favorite recruits. That's keystonesportsnetwork.com. You can also take Keystone Sports Network with you. Go to your app store and download Keystone Sports for your mobile device. For Penn State football news 52 weeks a year, count on the Keystone Sports Network. StateCollege.com is your one-stop source for news, sports, opinion, entertainment, and community events. Over a decade of experience covering the Nittany Lions from reporter Ben Jones. Lively commentary from columnist Mike Porman and others. Local perspective, local expertise, local information from Penn State's hometown website, StateCollege.com. Trust StateCollege.com for daily coverage of the school, team, and place you love. It's quarter number two on the Keystone Kickoff Show. Brought to you by the Keystone Sports Network. Get the best Penn State sports news and analysis at KeystoneSportsNetwork.com or download the Keystone Sports app from your smartphone. And welcome back to the Keystone Kickoff Show. I'm Jim Galante. He's Dustin Hawkinsmith. This is quarter number two of our show. Brought to you by 409tailgateclub.com, the place to go for all of your barbecue sauces and rubs. Fantastic stuff. Try them all. Again, that's 409tailgateclub.com. Great stuff there. Dustin, we're not that far from spring. We're going to go outside, get the grill going. All the more need for these products. All right. Let's continue our conversation, our preview of the 2024 (laughs) season. We're getting ahead of the curve here. And again, what prompted this is the recruiting classes for the last two years, the 22 and 23 class, that'll make up the heart of this 24 season that we're talking about. 
Let's hit the offensive line. Real interesting. We're all pretty confident in 23, going from left to right, it'll be Fashnu, Tangwall, Norzad, Warmly, and Caden Wallace. Fashnu will be gone. Hunter Norzad will be gone. I'm assuming Warmly and Wallace will be gone. Tangwall, with a good season. He's three years in. We're going to have a major changeover then, Dustin, for the class of 20, for the season of 24. Good thing they brought in the offensive line recruits they did in the class of 23. Name me your 24 offensive line. The 24 offensive line. All right. I'm going to go um, Drew from left to right. Drew Shelton, uh, Landon Tangwall. Uh, I don't know who shifts to center. I mean, that could be Nick Dawkins or J.B. Nelson for a year. Um, that could be uh, – that could be uh, – Okay. That could be J.B. Nelson, Nick Dawkins for a year at center. We don't really have any clues yet who's going to make that transition. Uh, I like Vega Iwane maybe to or, or Alex Birchmeyer, a real competition for one of those guard spots. And then, you know, really probably Javen Williams looking at him at, at right tackle as a redshirt freshman. Uh, maybe maybe even a true sophomore if, if things go a certain way in 2023. But, you know, I think you hinted at it that they've loaded the pipeline with guys who are able to accelerate this transition, um, who are able to um, make sure that they're pretty smooth from year to year without all those peaks and valleys. Yeah, and again, this is that changeover where they didn't have the people coming in in the 22 class, perhaps. In 23, they loaded up with the offensive linemen who could all be a factor as early as 24. Now, you mentioned about, um, you know, Javen uh, Williams being out there as a uh, redshirt freshman in the class of 24. I think you could look at him and Birchmeyer especially. But this also talks about the transition where the need to redshirt guys is not as great anymore. If, if Birchmeyer and Javen Williams are what we think they are, they may be gone after three years, let alone four. Forget about needing five years from these guys with a red shirt. Yeah, for sure. I mean, I, th- I think, um, and that's one of the things, maybe the side effects of the transfer portal. Also, I think maybe um, one of the effects of guys and advanced training regimens, guys are arriving early on campus, obviously. They're also arriving, you know, a little bit more polished than they were once upon a time. But I think with the, with the portal and knowing that you know you can make smoother transitions from one season to the next, it al- it does allow you. If a guy looks like he's ready to play, you can play him and worry about the off season later. And I think uh, with these couple offensive linemen, they're going to make that conversation a really interesting one. Uh, they're gonna they're gonna try they're gonna push. And I think you know if Javen Williams or Alex Birchmeyer kind of flash um, this spring. I, I really still kind of think that there's room for an upgrade if you are able to move Caden Wallace to guard. You know, what they did uh, with Will Fries a couple years ago, where they knew his pro destination was going to be guard, they moved him there, and uh, and was it was kind of best for everybody. I, I, I really still feel like Caden Wallace's future is as an interior lineman. It will be interesting how that ends up. One more time, because you broke up just a little bit, Dusty. Give me your five across for 24. 
I'm going Drew Shelton left tackle, Landon Tengwall left guard. I think uh, I'm going to go with Nick Dawkins as a one-year starter um, at center in 2024. And then Alex Birchmeyer at right guard and Javen Williams at right tackle. And that's a pretty good group, Jim. And I think what we've got to remember, two guys, J.B. Nelson and Vega Ioane, who are probably forgotten in the excitement about the, the new linemen coming in. So there's even some depth there. A lot of changeover from 23 to 24, but uh, a lot of names that I think could step up. All right, now, when going over this topic, Dustin, one of my toughest areas was at wide receiver. We know we've got uh, Dante Cephas coming in for a year. Uh, we hope Keandre Lambert-Smith makes that step this year in 23, but that may mean he's not around for 24. What do you see for that wide receiver group in 24? There's so much we still have to learn ab- about this group, I think. Uh, and, and 2023 will be a nice little lesson as far as who's doing what. Keandre Lambert-Smith, you know, is he ready to be more than a sidekick? And not just a sidekick, is he ready to be more than a number three? Uh, we'll see about that. Harrison Wallace the third. you know, I think you saw some momentum build toward the end of the season that uh, maybe maybe he keeps building on that in 2023. Uh, Omari Evans, is he more than maybe just a, a bit of a gadget? Caden Saunders, how ready is he going to be in 23 and 24? You know, there's a lot, I think, of pretty good talent on this roster. I think in 2023, they are best served by bringing in those veteran players and giving these guys an extra year to develop. Um, I like what the depth chart looks like. I'm not positive I see a true number one wide receiver on this depth chart for 2024. But I think, you know, this next season will go a long way toward, you know, seeing who breaks out. If Malik McLean, who comes from Florida state is ready for a bigger role Um, is Anthony Ivy as good as I think he's going to be. And how quickly is that going to happen? There are still so many questions that they're able to, Um, answer them more on their time by bringing in those veterans. But those questions are still going to have to be answered uh, for 2024. I think you'll get there. I I think you'll see uh, one or two of these guys really step forward. I just can't really say as we sit here right now who those guys are going to be. It seems like there's so many candidates for the number two and three position. The, The problem is who could be, as you said, who could step up to be that number one? You know, is a guy like Christian Driver potentially that kind of guy? Caden Saunders, to talk about him, we talked about him a lot before last season. Turns out he may not have been ready, wasn't quite in shape the way you want him to be, those kind of things. But towards the end of the 22 season, he seemed, based on what we're hearing from inside the locker room, from players, from coaches, that he's ready to make the step. I think the other thing to remember is like an Omar Evans and Trey Wallace, they got on the field, which is as young as they were. That's not a bad thing, Dusty. They are perhaps already ahead of the curve and there's something there that they will develop into. And, you know, when it comes down to it, they, they are, uh, they've shown enough that the coaching staff favors them. They've seen enough that the coaching staff 
felt like the investment was going to be worth it uh, last season. And th that investment will continue into 2023. And if that's good enough for the coaching staff to kind of recognize that their development can take them where they want to go. And, and I think for both of them, I mean, that amount of playing time, even if there wasn't a ton of production attached to it, is can really be the basis for a very, very good offseason because they have a good idea, a good feel from film, from their own game experience, of what they need to fix, what they need to get better at, where they need to grow in the weight room, what they need to do with their footwork. There can be a lot of growth from last season to next season for Trey Wallace, for even for Keandre Lambert-Smith, uh, for Amari Evans. You know, these guys are able to grow because they were able to play. And I think that was the hope from the coaching staff is that you invest snaps in them and you hope that it can lead to some explosive growth. Let's start going into the defense, Dusty. Let's start at defensive tackle. I think a little bit like the wide receiver position, I'm not sure there's a number one guy here. Um, I'm assuming, well, gone would be Devon Ellis and Akeem Beeman. Keziah Izzard will have another year of eligibility. Guys who are already out there playing, Zane Durant, Jordan Vandenberg, part of the rotation. What will it look like in 24? Caleb Artis right now is the biggest guy you have among that group. Is he ready to make that step and be a, a true one technique? That's going to be an interesting position in 24. Yeah, and I think um, I have high hopes for Keziah Izzard, you know, and I think in 2023 he's going to be asked to deliver uh, on expectations. You know, that we start. I don't know what exactly the story was, but he was not available for this team um, to start the year. Uh, I thought he played very, very well when he got in there. So I think he's got maybe the, the possibility of being a number one. Um, but then I think uh, Zane Durant, you know, I, I do feel like a number one defensive tackle was in him. You know, he's going to be on the small side. Uh, I'm not sure if we're going to see him really be able to absorb and do what P.J. Mustafer could do. But I think he's got the ability to be disruptive. And then I love, you mentioned Caleb Artis. I think in terms of his uh, size and frame, he might need another year or two to, to really develop, but you can't teach what he brings to the table, which is he, he's huge. He's got long arms. And the same can be true of Devon Townley Jr., who was in the portal, then he, then he decided to come back. He's transitioning to defensive tackle, and he's going to have a huge wingspan too. So they've got something interesting forming here, Jim. I don't know if we see somebody who's capable of, of uh, gobbling up blockers like P.J. Mustafer was able to do. Uh, but they do have some interesting guys here. And if they're able to complement them through the portal or get, you know, a college-ready defensive tackle in the 24 class, whatever they got to do here, I think to round out the depth chart, there's a nice basis of skills there. They just might need a big, big body. Like a Derek Tangelo would be perfect after the 23 season to be that guy, that steady guy inside. I think that might be the route that they go just to add that one final piece to what this group looks like. I think that is the one element missing. And it could that come in through the transfer portal? Could it uh, come in in our class of 24? Could someone come in and immediately play? All right, Dustin, that's it for quarter number two. We're going to keep going with the rest of the defense in quarter number three. Stay tuned. Hey, guys, this is Andrew from 409 Tailgate Club, here to talk to you about our new coffee barbecue dry rub set. 
Over the years, we've developed some great tailgate sauces and barbecue dry rubs, but our new coffee rubs are totally unique spice blends, low in sodium, and feature Happy Valley's finest coffee, W.C. Clark's roasted right in the cheese shop in downtown State College. So head on over to 409tailgateclub.com, grab yourself some coffee rubs, and remember, always tailgate with honor. We are. Hi, this is Dustin Hawkinsmith from the Keystone Sports Network. For the best Penn State football analysis and commentary, go to keystonesportsnetwork.com. The rest of the KSN team and I will bring you game reviews, player evaluation, recruiting news, and plenty more. You may even hear directly from some of your favorite recruits. That's keystonesportsnetwork.com. You can also take Keystone Sports Network with you. Go to your app store and download Keystone Sports for your mobile device. For Penn State football news 52 weeks a year, count on the Keystone Sports Network. StateCollege.com is your one-stop source for news, sports, opinion, entertainment, and community events. Over a decade of experience covering the Nittany Lions from reporter Ben Jones. Lively commentary from columnist Mike Porman and others. Local perspective, local expertise, local information from Penn State's hometown website, StateCollege.com. Trust StateCollege.com for daily coverage of the school, team, and place you love. Let's get back to the action on the Keystone Kickoff Show. Brought to you by the Keystone Sports Network. Get the best Penn State sports news and analysis at KeystoneSportsNetwork.com or download the Keystone Sports app from your smartphone. And welcome back to the Keystone Kickoff Show. It is quarter number three. I'm Jim Galante along with Dustin Hawkinsmith. Dustin, a fun topic today. We shot right past the 23 season. We're looking at the 24 season. Once more, just a reminder, what prompted this is it was such a wonderful class of 22 recruiting. They were uh, had such an effect on this past season, and they are going to be the basis of the 24 year along with the class of 23. And we thought we'd take a look at what effect that will have, what the team looks like, in the future, reaching out to 24, and it's based on these couple recruiting classes. We went through the offensive positions, of course, highlighted by Drew Aller and the running backs. If we got through the whole offense, we went through defensive tackle. Let's get to defensive end. It's going to be a tremendous defensive end group in 23. You're going to have Chop Robinson and Adisa Isaac who both, I'm assuming, will move on. I can't imagine Chop Robinson sticking around for a year beyond 23. Um, Adisa Isaac, I think he's out of eligibility. You have Deny Dennis Sutton. Will you have Smith Vilbert back? Will you have uh, Zariah Fisher back? How about any of the youngsters? Mason Robinson, Jamel Lyons, uh, Joseph Mapoye. Are these guys ready to step up? What does the 24 season look like at defensive end, Dusty? Boy, I, I, I do think it's Deny Dennis Sutton and everybody else. Again, assuming Chop Robinson was, he passed the eye test in terms of what he could do. Uh, he also passed the analytics test over and over and over again when it came to his impact on the game, not just pressuring the passer, but just playing and doing all the things you ask for out of a defensive end. So 
If you assume Chop Robinson is gone after 2023, seems like a pretty safe assumption if he has as good a year, if not better, uh, than he did last year. And then uh, Deny Dennis Sutton, you assume, will be uh, ready for prime time. I think I think in 2023, but certainly in 2024. You have some of those other veterans that we're not quite sure if they're going to be back or using COVID years or, or coming back for a fifth year. Zariah Fisher, you know, what does that look like? You know, he, he beat expectations by, by getting back on the field late in 2022. Um, I like that about him. We just don't know. Is he a good defensive end? Is he a great defensive end? I mean, you're, there's still a lot to learn about him. Uh, I like Amin Vanover and Smith Vilbert, those guys. We don't know yet what Jameel Lyons and Joseph Mupoy or Mason Robinson, what they could do. We do know that that three, uh, that group of three, wasn't the most highly regarded group of three. Um, they 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 will develop. Um, I have no question about that. But you don't have a Deny Dennis Sutton or a Chop Robinson in your pipeline after those guys currently. Now, you could score another big transfer uh, like Chop Robinson. You can score uh, a guy like Dennis Sutton, uh, you know, an edge rusher in the 24 class who's able to contribute right away. I think you're going to see some changes to this personnel group. I don't think we'll see Chop Robinson back, but I think if you have denied Dennis Sutton queued up there and you've got some pretty good athletes and they're going to have some really solid, if not better, veterans, I don't think the defensive end group, as it looks like it'll be right now, is in trouble or anything, but I think they'll be in a position where they can use another talented body, um, whether that's the portal or through the recruiting class. And I do think the 24 class, they'll probably push a little harder to get one of those five-star type edge rushers in that class. Again, thinking about the balance when you do the recruiting, and it is a position that you can bring in a true freshman and he could have an effect and he can get into that rotation. But um, this is also a position, Arnold Ibikidi, Chop Robinson, they've already established that they could take you out of the transfer portal and make you a star. So they've done it multiple times. I wouldn't be surprised if we see that again prior to the 24 season. Let's go to a position now, linebacker. Dusty, I keep saying it over and over and over again. Think what we were doing when we had a conversation about linebackers in the summer of 22 and how much that has changed. This is going to be a very good group this year. Headlined with Abdul Carter and Curtis Jacobs with Elsden and Kobe King back in the middle. You will lose Curtis Jacobs, but Abdul Carter will be back again for 24. Elsden and Kobe King, I'm sure they're going to be back. You reinforce this group with Tony Rojas, Tamir Robinson, Kavion Keys, all in the class of 23. Not to mention Keon Wiley, who was in the class of 22 didn't see a lot of action. I'm very bullish on the linebackers in 24. I I honestly love this group of linebackers. Um, I, I love them in 2023, and you're going to get a, a, a big majority of them back in 2024. And what I love about them is that you've got a lot of really good players in this group, but they cover all kinds of different skill sets. You know, Tyrese Mills, Tony Rojas, I'll put them under the same umbrella as being those sort of like uh, hybrid tweener type guys who bring a lot of speed to, to the linebacker spot. Tyler Elsden is ab- about as blue collar grinder as you can possibly find. 
Kobe King, um, I think is, is, is a huge, big, heavy hitter type in the middle. Dominic DeLuca is, is another kind of scrapper and grinder who just got put on scholarship. I liked his range at linebacker. Abdul Carter can do everything you can possibly ask. Keon Wiley, I think, has shown a gift for pressuring the passer that I think they'll use. Tamir Robinson, I've got a really, really good feeling about what he can be at Penn State. Not, I'm not going to say he's, he's going to be Abdul Carter, but his, his body type and his skill set and how ready he looks like. Um, I, I, he might need a little time coming off injury, but uh, I think Tamir Robinson's ceiling is very, very high. And Kavion Keys is, is a more traditional build for a linebacker. Everything you want or could want to, to deploy, mix, match, do whatever, is all here. There's going to be a lot of experience back there. And you've got your already beyond 23 and 24. You've got your transition plan because you've got all those young guys on the roster too. You said it. I mean, the conversation about linebackers has shifted dramatically over the course of, you know, six or seven months. And I think is built for longer term success um, at that spot. And it's just amazing what a year can do. It's amazing what a freshman emerging as a superstar can do uh, to help kind of smooth things over. But this group is excellent. Uh, I think they're going to have a big year in 23. It's great that Curtis Jacobs came back, but they're going to work in some of these other guys too. And, and they're going to be able to mix and match. And this group is going to be continue to be a strength for them. Let's transition. Uh, you mentioned uh, Tyrese Mills in talking about linebackers. You could also have him in the safety conversation, as you mentioned, that, you know, a hybrid type player. Keaton Ellis is coming back for the 23 season. He won't be back for 24. I'm assuming Zachy Wheatley and Jalen Reed will be back. You never know if they have monster years, but I think they'll be back. KJ Winston coming up, Tyrese uh, Mills. I'm still pretty confident 24, the safety room is going to be pretty good again, Dusty. It, it should be pretty well stocked soon. I think even if, say, one or two of those guys moves on, even if it's a surprise and Jalen Reed decides he's had enough or he gets moved to linebacker, whatever, I think there's room to absorb a surprising loss or two there because I think K.J. Winston is a starting caliber player as soon as 2023. He won't play that role in 23, but I think he's that caliber of player. Makai Flowers is about as dynamic an athlete as they've recruited in these past two classes that we're talking about. Same with King Mack with his speed. Uh, I think he's a starting caliber player. I think Dakari Nelson is going to show that he's a starting caliber player too. So if that's all true or mostly true, they can avoid, they can, uh, you know, if somebody leaves or if somebody has a monster year and, and leaves for the NFL, Penn State is not only in good shape at the safety spot beyond 23, they can afford a bad surprise or two and still be in pretty good shape there. Maybe not so much from a depth standpoint, but from a starting caliber impact. They've got, I think, every player that we're looking at, Jalen Reed, Zachy Wheatley, K.J. Winston, Makai Flowers, King Mack, Dakari Nelson, all can grow into very, very rapidly starting caliber players in the Big Ten. Okay, I, I'm in agreement. They keep restocking it when you bring in guys like King Mack and Dakari Nelson, who were part of this most recent class. Again, it seems like there's an emphasis on positions in a recruiting class and defensive backs. We're seeing that here. Let's go to the final position at cornerback. Uh, I'm assuming this is it for Kalen King, Johnny Dixon, Daquan Hardy. But you still have people coming in. 
Storm Duck has that um, extra year of eligibility. You have Cam Miller, who burned his red shirt. You have uh, young guys like Elliot uh, Washington coming in. This this is going to be another one of those rooms that I think will be pretty good in 24 also. Yeah, I think I have more questions about cornerback than I do at safety as we sit here right now, but so much can happen over the course of the next year. When it comes to transfer portal, I think this situation is kind of right for somebody to move into the cornerback room. Uh, whether that's like something that they see in King Mac, for example, or something they see in Christian Driver flips back over, or they get another guy from the portal like they did with Storm Duck and Johnny Dixon. I think another body is going to come um, at cornerback. And again, I do think that the 24 class, if they, if they sign a high-profile freshman, somebody like that can jump in there. But without Kalen King, I'm really looking at a group from the current roster of Cam Miller, Lamont Payne, Zion Tracy, Elliot Washington, um, if they don't move somebody or or sign another big cornerback or two in the twenty four class, uh, they're going to have to get creative there. But I think there's there are ready made solutions uh, there, uh, and, and they can they can find it and and be in good shape there. Okay, Dusty, we went position by position in the last minute. We've got how good will this twenty four team be? Remember, expanded playoffs. It's an expanded Big Ten. Give me your prediction for the 24 season. Well, and I mean, I'm going to hold you to it. Okay. Well, I, I think it's a playoff team in 24. You know, it looks like they could be in 23. You, you need some things to come together yet. Like, you need Drew Aller to be the solution at quarterback in 23, his first season as a starter. You know, whether he is or is, he's got, certainly got that capability. But if you're going into year two with Drew Aller, with so many of those pieces back, the offensive line looks good. The the linebackers are dynamic. The, the defensive backfield will be really, really good again. All the ingredients are there for a, a one-loss type team to be, you know, a mid-range, like a six or seven seed in the playoff. Very good, Dusty. That is it for quarter number three. That's it for our season 24 preview. Stick around. Quarter number four, we switch gears. Dusty and Jeff Byers are going to talk wrestling. Stay tuned for that. Hey, guys, this is Andrew from 409 Tailgate Club, here to talk to you about our new coffee barbecue dry rub set. Over the years, we've developed some great tailgate sauces and barbecue dry rubs, but our new coffee rubs are totally unique spice blends, low in sodium, and feature Happy Valley's finest coffee, W.C. Clark's roasted right in the cheese shop in downtown State College. So head on over to 409tailgateclub.com, grab yourself some coffee rubs, and remember, always tailgate with honor. We are. Hi, this is Dustin Hawkinsmith from the Keystone Sports Network. For the best Penn State football analysis and commentary, go to keystonesportsnetwork.com. The rest of the KSN team and I will bring you game reviews, player evaluation, recruiting news, and plenty more. You may even hear directly from some of your favorite recruits. That's keystonesportsnetwork.com. You can also take Keystone Sports Network with you. Go to your app store and download Keystone Sports for your mobile device. For Penn State football news 52 weeks a year, count on the Keystone Sports Network. StateCollege.com is your one-stop source for news, sports, opinion, entertainment, and community events. Over a decade of experience covering the Nittany Lions from reporter Ben Jones. Lively commentary from columnist Mike Porman and others. Local perspective, local expertise, local information from Penn State's hometown website, StateCollege.com. 
TrustStateCollege.com for daily coverage of the school, team, and place you love. We head to the home stretch in quarter number four on the Keystone Kickoff Show. Brought to you by the Keystone Sports Network. Get the best Penn State sports news and analysis at KeystoneSportsNetwork.com or download the Keystone Sports app from your smartphone. Welcome back. Our fourth and final quarter here on the Keystone Kickoff Show. We're transitioning. We're coffin cornered punting Jim to the sidelines, and we're talking some wrestling with Jeff Byers uh, as we've been. And Jeff, uh, 15-0 this Penn State team is. They wrap up the Big Ten schedule this past weekend with big wins over Rutgers and Maryland. Not a lot of drama involved there. Not a lot of drama in any of Penn State's matches, really. Uh, so what's what's the significance here of winning the regular season dual title? And where do you feel like this team is with a, a couple weeks here before uh, Big Tens to get started? Yeah, I feel like we're kind of back to where Penn State's used to being. It just feels like everything is trending in a very good direction here uh, for the uh, team. I think especially the younger kids, you're starting to see uh, some real leaps from guys like Alex Facundo. Uh, and Shane Van Ness, who have been good all along. But, I I mean, you can see them, again, really starting to come into their own. And I think uh, both of those guys, again, are in very good weight classes, but I think they're going to be right in the mix uh, for high All-America honors and and maybe even national titles themselves this year. Levi Haynes, the same thing. The schedule works out this year in terms of getting a little added confidence going into the, the postseason for some of the younger guys. Uh, and again, to me, it just feels like this team, as usual, is peaking here and uh, getting ready to peak anyway at the right time of the year. Uh, I just I don't think there's any of the 10 guys in that starting lineup that you're looking at saying, yeah, there's some real concern here about the direction they're heading. Now, obviously, you're concerned whether Gary Steen can get to the national tournament, but I also don't think uh, with the, his performance here on Sunday, that there's any doubt that he's uh, capable of at least giving his best performance of the season when the Big Ten tournament rolls around. Yeah, that, that's a big thing when you're talking about point scoring. I mean, you can take for granted, you know, when you have five guys winning a national title, you don't really need everybody to pull the rope in the same direction. But if you don't have that for some reason, you could use every point you can get. And for Gary Steen to get to NCAAs and win a match or two matches or contribute to this to the team score could prove uh, important. And I know, you know, after Iowa, not that it was any red flag or concern, but you're looking to see like what Shane Van Ness has, uh, what Alex Facundo has. And I feel like, you know, by results alone, you know, Shane Van Ness on on Sunday, Tech falling Ethan Miller from Maryland. Uh, 19 to four. I got that done at, at the buzzer. I mean, that's what you want to see is a guy getting to his offense. I know that's not an Iowa wrestler standing opposite him, but it's good to see him kind of take that lesson to heart. Yeah. I don't think there's any question that they uh, do as good a job as anybody in the country. They being the Penn state coaches of learning from matches like Iowa about what each individual has to work on. And you know, you're going to see adjustments made, not just in terms of technique, and certainly that's part of it, but I also think in terms of strategy. And I think you'll see some, you know, different things, uh, especially, again, from some of the younger guys in terms of how they approach uh, some of the, the better opponents that they've seen throughout the season, uh, if, in fact, they do meet again uh, at either the Big Tens or NCAAs or both. So not, not a young guy, but a similar conversation that we had about Bo Bartlett and being able to get to his offense as well against a high-level opponent. 
And I think against Rutgers, the wrestle Joseph Olivieri, um, a 12-1 major, you know, we're not talking about somebody he would see in the NCAA finals or anything like that. But to roll up 12 points against a ranked opponent, I think, is a step in the right direction for him as well. I think it's a huge step. And and I've really been impressed with Bo's uh, kind of openness about the fact that he has kind of relied on his athleticism to this point of his wrestling career. And he's obviously very athletic, so that served him well. But by his own admission, he said, I, I really need to take what the coaches are telling me to heart. I'm paraphrasing a bit here. But to, to get to my ultimate goal, which is winning the national title. And with that, you are seeing him. Uh, you know, I'm not going to say he's a, a David Taylor offensive juggernaut, but you're seeing him take some significant strides in the right direction in terms of creating his own offense and not just relying on you know somebody else's shot and being able to, to counter off of it. And I think it's a I think it's a really big deal. I think Bo has uh, taken a huge step here just over these last few weeks in terms of the mindset that he's bringing into these matches. And I think it's going to serve him well. Again, I don't know if he's going to win the national title, but I think he's going to have a lot of success here in the postseason with the way he's wrestling and approaching his wrestling right now. Sometimes the right lesson at the right time can can trigger all that. And, you know, we had the discussion, I think, before, you know, earlier in the year about, okay, what is next for Bo when it comes to really becoming a player? in the NCAA tournament, not just getting there, not just maybe getting to the blood round or all American, but how can he be a player in the tournament? And that is creating shots for himself and taking those shots when those shots are available. And if, if that mentality switch had to come from, you know, that match against real woods or however it came, I mean, that is a lesson that was really standing in the way between Bo being where he is now uh, to where he wants to be. Yeah, and it's funny. We've talked about it over the years with the the coaches and stuff that, you know, it it doesn't always click at the same time uh, for, for everybody, right? Like it 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 generally comes together for those that uh, are destined to be successful at, at this level. But you know, I know fans sometimes, and and even the kids and their families uh, think if it if it isn't coming together that freshman campaign. Uh, and you're not a Bo Nickel or a Jason Nolf, that it's just not going to happen. And that's just not the, the case. And I think, you know, again, you're seeing it with the, the freshmen uh, this year, but I think you're seeing it with Bo Bartlett uh, just in terms of his development. And again, I don't know that, uh, you know, Gary Steen's destined for great things this season, but I also think uh, that he is trusting the coaches, trusting the process. And I think, um, you know, he went out there with the right mindset on on Sunday, uh, that he was going to compete and battle for everything. And I think with that mindset, you know, it gives him a chance here at least uh, to do something unexpected when the Big Ten tournament rolls around. Some breaking news here on the podcast. Fans don't have all the answers. Uh, if you're on Twitter, if you're on Facebook, that might not come across because they say it, Jeff, with such confidence. But I think... You know, this is a trap for all sports, right? I think James Franklin and the Penn State football program fight this all the time, that just because where you are right now isn't where you want to be doesn't mean you give up on them. Some guys arrive late. Some guys arrive early. The Penn State wrestling program just happened to create this expectation that you should be able to walk into the room 
drill for a couple of weeks and be an NCAA champion because some guys have done it, you know, and, and just because Bill Bartlett, it didn't happen for him on day one. It doesn't mean he's a finished product by any means. I think that growth factor is something that escapes uh, fans in general. Yeah. And it's been neat to see uh, Dustin. I'm not going to go through the, the long list here, but uh, some of the reserves and you've seen it, a guy like Donovan ball. I mean, you do get to see uh, how that development uh, is continuing, but there are a lot of guys in that room, uh, Connor Pierce and Lucas Cochran, and you know you got to see Seth Nevels on on Sunday that are also making significant strides, uh, and it's helping the you know the overall product uh, when you have uh, workout partners that are also taking leaps and keeping the pressure on you. Uh, you know, a, a guy like David Evans, I, I'm telling you, is right there with Bo Bartlett. Uh, and he keeps, uh, you know, improving and it's forcing Bo Bartlett to improve and adjust uh, some things in the room. And that's uh, that's a big deal, too, when you can establish the the depth that Penn State has been able to now uh, under Kale Sanderson and this coaching staff and guys that when they get that opportunity to compete and fill in uh, for somebody else, that they're able to step up to the challenge on a consistent basis here. You know, I, I have to wonder sometimes like using Donovan ball as an example, this is a kid who could have been at Bucknell or Millersburg or Shippensburg playing football or wrestling. You know, he's that level of athlete. And you wonder sometimes why you go into a place where you're pretty sure you're not going to be a starter much, if at all. And I feel like, you know, the experience of wrestling every day with Aaron Brooks and the experience of getting to come out here uh, on a national stage against Maryland and to be able to compete in open tournaments. Like, I see it now. I get it. Like the, and, and I think Kale has to get these guys to buy into that same vision. But clearly that next la- layer of guys who are, you know, maybe afterthoughts for fans are more important than they might realize. Yeah, I, I mean, it, it It really is one of those things that I think goes underappreciated, just how important it is to have those guys that are willing uh, to work out with any of those guys at any time and, and help them in any way that they can. Uh, you know, Baylor Shunk's another one that just keeps uh, giving everything he has to the program and, and enjoys being part of it, uh, has personal goals and, and, you know, wants to achieve those too. Uh, but these guys, uh, like Donovan Ball, are, are willing to uh, set aside their ultimate personal goals to push the team uh, to be better. And I do think it's it's significant that they then get to be part of you know what they're hoping will be another Big Ten and NCAA championship team. Uh, and they know, and their teammates know, just how important they've been uh, to that process of, of getting to the ultimate goal here in the sport. So Jeff, we've got about a minute and a half or so, and I I'd be remiss to not bring up the NCAA coach rankings that came out last week that had Roman Bravo young, uh, for one Greg Kirkfleet as well, but Roman Bravo young as the number three, 133 pounder in the country. What are your thoughts when, when that kind of thing comes out? Because it's kind of shocking for everybody, especially when, RBY has beaten the number one kid, Dayton Fix, from Oklahoma State in the NCAA Finals twice. Yeah, it's embarrassing for the sport. I don't think it's – I know a lot of fans think it's uh, jealousy and, and grievances being filed by the coaches. I I mean, I don't know for sure, but I, I'm fairly certain that that's not it. W- what happened, uh, I, I strongly believe, is that you had coaches that just were not paying close enough attention – 
Uh, Roman did not have enough matches to be considered for the first coaches' rankings. And I think a lot of these guys just go back, look at their first rankings, maybe make an adjustment or two, and send it back in. There's not a lot of time uh, spent figuring out, okay, exactly where do each guy, uh, should each guy be ranked. Uh, and I, I honestly think it was just an oversight in that some of the coaches uh, accidentally left Roman off of their list and would feel horrible about it when it's brought to their attention. I just think whoever's compiling the list has to be able to look at that and say, wait a second, and call some of the coaches. If you see Roman, uh, and again, I don't know for sure, but I have a strong suspicion that that's what happened, that this was just carelessness. You've got to be able to remedy that before you put it out to the public because it, it is a bad look and it leads to you know more conspiracy theories and all of that where I think it was just carelessness uh, by some of the coaches. But it is a bad look for the sport. There's no question. That's Jeff Byers, number three in this week's NCAA coaching rankings, number one in all of our hearts here on the Keystone Kickoff Show. Thanks for tuning in. Jeff, thanks for showing up and uh, teaching us about Penn State wrestling here. Uh, we'll see you next time here on the Keystone Kickoff Show. Hey guys, this is Andrew from 409 Tailgate Club, here to talk to you about our new Coffee Barbecue Dry Rub set. Over the years, we've developed some great tailgate sauces and barbecue dry rubs, but our new coffee rubs are totally unique spice blends, low in sodium, and feature Happy Valley's finest coffee, W.C. Clark's, roasted right in the cheese shop in downtown State College. So head on over to 409tailgateclub.com, grab yourself some coffee rubs, and remember, always tailgate with honor. We are. Hi, this is Dustin Hawkinsmith from the Keystone Sports Network. For the best Penn State football analysis and commentary, go to keystonesportsnetwork.com. The rest of the KSN team and I will bring you game reviews, player evaluation, recruiting news, and plenty more. You may even hear directly from some of your favorite recruits. That's keystonesportsnetwork.com. You can also take Keystone Sports Network with you. Go to your app store and download Keystone Sports for your mobile device. For Penn State football news 52 weeks a year, count on the Keystone Sports Network. StateCollege.com is your one-stop source for news, sports, opinion, entertainment, and community events. Over a decade of experience covering the Nittany Lions from reporter Ben Jones. Lively commentary from columnist Mike Porman and others. Local perspective, local expertise, local information from Penn State's hometown website, StateCollege.com. Trust StateCollege.com for daily coverage of the school, team, and place you love.